0: Emotional First Aid, Episode 23. In January, I discussed how vital it is to receive restorative sleep, and I also reviewed some tips to assist you in receiving quality sleep. In this podcast, I want to share some additional information I learned listening to a podcast with Professor Matthew Walker. It was on Dr. Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast, episode number 147. Professor Matthew Walker is an author of the international best-selling book, Why We Sleep, and he's the professor of neuroscience and psychology at the University of California. And he, he shared a couple of pieces of information regarding caffeine and alcohol that I wanted to share with you. He also, though, went into great detail explaining the benefits of REM sleep and how it impacts our psychological health, particularly when we've experienced a distressing event. And I just felt it was so important for me to share this information with you, just to further kind of drive home that message that we need quality sleep, that this just is not an area of our life that we need to Compromise on we need to ensure that we are getting quality sleep and just as I shared some of the health benefits in the January episode there are there's this additional piece with regards to our psychological health that is so extremely important. And again, what I wanted to be sure and share it with you today. I also encourage you to listen to the entire podcast on Dr. Chatterjee's Feel Better Live More podcast. It's, it's a really good interview. And of course, I think uh, Doc, uh, Professor Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, would be also um, valuable information. The little couple of Tidbits of info I wanted to share with you was regarding caffeine. I think many people have heard that caffeine, and I know I even mentioned that in January podcast, that caffeine can interrupt sleep. And I know that there are people that will say, "Oh, caffeine doesn't bother me at all. I can drink a cup of, you know, coffee right before I go to bed, and I still sleep." And uh, Walker explained that even if you are somebody who can I think espresso is the example he gave, drinking an espresso and go to bed, espresso and go to bed, that it's still interrupting your sleep. He explains that for it, it, can, it can make it harder to fall asleep and it can make your sleep more fragile, that you wake up more during the sleep. But he said, even if you are someone who can fall asleep immediately after having caffeine, that in research that he's conducted, the electrical brain wave quality of deep sleep with and without caffeine is not the same. That when they measure that electrical brain wave during deep sleep, it's interrupted when you are drinking caffeine. And as he said is that you may not wake up, however, you receive more shallow sleep versus deep sleep. And typically when a person does wake up after having caffeine Before bed or even, you know, later in the day, he said that, you know, oftentimes people don't feel refreshed and restored and they don't attribute it to the caffeine because they fell asleep and they didn't notice themselves waking up during the night. But again, as he explains, it truly is interrupting your your deep sleep. So you may be sleeping, but it's more shallow and you're not getting into that deep sleep. And he said, oftentimes what people do, they wake up, they don't feel refreshed and they end up consuming more caffeine because they're trying to wake themselves up again. And this just kind of keeps that cycle going. Now he did not indicate that you need to absolutely stay away from all caffeine he said the timing of the caffeine and the quantity of it is what matters the most now he also explained and I mentioned this in the January podcast that there are some people who genetically do not do well with caffeine and they can have just a little bit and they notice themselves feeling very edgy and irritated and it keeping them up all night But he said for people who do not have that genetic marker where they're, you know, hypersensitive to caffeine, he said that there are there are health benefits. And he said if a person were to consume caffeine before 10 a.m. and have less than three cups, that seems to be that, you know, kind of middle ground there where you can get the benefits of the caffeine without getting it interfering with your sleep. He said once a person has consumed three cups of caffeine in a day, that typically that begins to reverse any of the health benefits that a person would receive from the caffeine. He explains that if you consumed one cup of coffee at noon, A quarter of that caffeine is still in your brain at midnight and again even if you don't feel like it's impacting you it is absolutely interfering with your sleep the other part that I wanted to mention the little tidbit here was about alcohol and again it you know it indicated that it does it's not it's not helpful to your sleep he referred to it as a sleep Um, it that it has a sedating effect but it's not a sleep aid that people will say it helps them to sleep and he says it may help you to fall asleep but it is going to interrupt your sleep throughout the night and you are not going to get quality deep sleep or REM sleep so that was the other piece that he had mentioned is how alcohol will interrupt REM sleep and I'm gonna explain here in a minute why well one of other reasons, but one of the reasons why it's so important to ensure that we're getting REM sleep. Again, just keeping in mind that alcohol is going to fragment your sleep. You're not going to get deep sleep. You're not going to get the REM sleep. And that yes, it may help you fall asleep. However, it's interrupting your sleep during the night. So he explained how REM sleep increases a person's lifespan and it promotes creativity. He goes on to explain how REM sleep helps us psychologically and I am just going to read to you an excerpt from the podcast of what he said because it it, it it I just think this is such great information and so important. And I wanted you to hear it directly from his mouth since he is the sleep expert. So here is a quote directly from the podcast with Matthew Walker. He said, REM sleep is a form of emotional first aid. REM sleep provides this type of mental health therapy. It is overnight therapy. What we discovered during, and when he says what we discovered, it's through the research that he's conducted. What we discovered during REM sleep and dreaming, that we take these difficult and sometimes traumatic experiences from the day and REM sleep acts like a nocturnal soothing balm. And it just takes the sharp edges off of those emotionally difficult concerns so that when we come back the next day, we have processed those emotions and we feel better about those concerns. In other words, it is not time that heals all wounds. It is time during sleep, specifically during dream sleep, that provides that form of emotional convalescence. I think when you have, what, oh, sorry. Then he went on to say, we've, we've done this in the laboratory, and we've seen this in our experimental work. When you challenge people with difficult emotional experiences during the day, they actually have a rebound that following night where they increase their amount of REM sleep, their dream sleep, as if they, as if the brain and the sleeping brain is responding to the demands of your emotional life because you need more overnight therapy. To summarize, REM sleep is helping us to disconnect from the emotions that are attached to disturbing events that occurred during the day. And he's saying at the end of the, the, the quote there that they found in their research, when people experienced distressing events during their day, they actually, the, the body increased the amount of REM sleep, almost as though it knew it, the body needed more time to process that event so that the, they, the person could wake up and feel less emotionally attached to it. He said that the emotional experiences and memories, that we need the sleep to strengthen the memory, but we need the the sleep to help us detach from the emotion, connect to it. So the sleeping helps us to remember the memory, but the sleeping, like the details of the memory, but it's also helping us to disconnect from it, emotionally so it's not as distressing and he explains that memories from your past that are traumatic do not need to remain that way and he went on to explain consolidation and reconsolidation and he shared well let me let me pause here for just a moment so during sleep he's explaining that our body has the ability to disconnect emotionally from disturbing events. Now, it's keeping in mind he's not implying that sleep is going to completely erase the emotional connection that we have to a distressing event. We absolutely, there are times that we need to do work and EMDR fits perfectly with what he's explaining here and I'll talk on that in just a minute but there are times in which we've experienced something that we will need to do some therapy to help our bodies heal that memory and to to move it through so it so we don't have that visceral connection so again he's not saying that it completely that sleep just you know completely removes any emotional context connection to all disturbing events. There may be some disturbing events where we're needing additional help. And what I mean by that is, let's say that you had um, a situation with your supervisor at work. You had a, a conversation with your supervisor. It didn't go well. You know, there wasn't any yelling or anything like that, but you felt as though the supervisor was being very critical of you. And you were very upset by this. If you get a good night's rest that night, and you get into your REM sleep and your deep sleep, when you wake up the next morning, you are probably not gonna be as disturbed by what happened. And that's what he's explaining, is our body can help move through some of that emotional that emotional connection. And in, in going back to what he explained in, in the interview, is he talked about consolidation and rec- reconsolidation of memories. And he explained that memories aren't fixed. When you recall a memory, you can open it up to the possibility of change, and that we can update the context of it as well as the emotional piece of it. And then we can kind of quote, save it, if you think about it like a Word document, which is kind of how he was explaining it, is you can then save it again after it's been reconsolidated. So he explains that you open up that memory, you recall it, you modify it, and then you reconsolidate it. And this is definitely where something, an approach such as EMDR would fit in. It would allow a person to, it, it allows a person to bring up that memory and to process the emotions connected to it. So it, it isn't, the memory doesn't necessarily disappear. They have the memory. However, they don't have that visceral reaction to it any longer. And to me, it makes sense with what he's saying with rem sleep because rem sleep because with emdr it's eye movement desensitization reprocessing and rem sleep is rapid eye movement and you have that bilateral movement of the eyes and you're creating that bilateral movement in the body with emdr and it makes sense that we are with emdr we are mimicking that rem sleep State in an awakened state, we are helping the body to process those events and to move them through. So, to me, his explanation of what's happening during REM sleep just further supports the efficacy of EMDR and helping us to, um, you know, to heal from traumatic events. He he just he explained that that REM sleep. Dreaming takes this emotional memory and it divorces the emotion from the memory. And he ex- he gave the example that if, if somebody were walking down an alley and they had been assaulted, that they're going to remember that that alleyway is not a way they want to walk, it's dangerous but they, so they want to remember that piece of it, that alleyway is not safe. However, they don't need to connect to the emotional piece of being, you know, having a visceral reaction, going into a panic attack each time they see the alleyway as they pass by it in their car, for example. Again, just to me, such great information about the importance of getting REM sleep and deep sleep and how that is helping us to, uh, to use his word divorce our emotions from events so that we can kind of kind of move on that we can release them the other thing that he shared about sleep and um, deep sleep is with regards to anxiety and he said that when you intentionally so they did this again in his research in laboratories when you intentionally deprive someone of sleep, you instantly trigger a dramatic escalation, and those were his words, dramatic escalation of anxiety. And it is dramatic in the fact that all of the participants in his study began as healthy, they had no signs of an anxiety disorder, and by the end of one night, just one night of no sleep, so this is about sleep in general not just rem sleep but sleep in general with one night of no sleep 50% of the participants had escalated to a level of anxiety that would be considered clinical and which would require treatment so again a group of of participants they are forced for lack of a better word to stay up all night and 50 and and all of them began the study with not having any symptoms of an anxiety disorder and with just one night without sleep, 50% of them had escalated to a level of anxiety that would be considered clinical and that would require treatment. They also assessed anxiety across the night and he said that there was a dose dependent relationship, meaning that the longer that a person goes without sleep, the more anxious a person becomes. And he talked about another study that he conducted where they tracked people in real-world conditions, so free-living conditions, and they were tracking their sleep and their anxiety. And they found just even the most modest night-to-night reduction in sleep quality was associated with consequential day-to-day increases in anxiety. So sleep from one night to the next was dictating anxiety from one day to the next. And he said that the quality of sleep, so if a person then received an increase in quality sleep, it deescalated the anxiety. And he said this was a um, causal relationship. It was not just an association. Again, the anxiety was directly connected to lack of sleep. And think about this for yourself. How is your quality of sleep? Are you not getting enough REM sleep and it's hindering you from processing events that are happening during the day so that you can release some of the emotional connection to them? Or is just your overall sleep quality not good? Are you just getting maybe two or three hours a night? And are you noticing an increase in anxiety? Because again, according to Walker, even people who did not have anxiety disorders in the one study demonstrated 50% of those individuals then could have been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder from going with just one night without sleep. And I know, I hear from my clients, many times they're in a situation where they're, where they're not getting enough sleep during the night and are struggling with anxiety. I just encourage you to really think about sleep and think about it being a priority in your life and recognize that it really is not non-negotiable. It, it really needs to be a non-negotiable when it comes to health. We, we oftentimes, that will be one of the first places that we compromise on because we feel everything else in our lives is so important. And typically it's, I would say, gosh, almost number one. I mean, nutrition, you know how I feel about nutrition. Nutrition's so important, but clearly our sleep is vital to our health. And as, as Walker is explaining here, there is a profound impact on emotional health and your quality of sleep. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I encourage you to do one thing today purposefully, to attain true PEP for life.